Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Star Wars 7x7, episode 1342 today. It's the Rebels briefing on episode 15 of season 4 of Star Wars Rebels. That's part 1 of the finale, Family Reunion and Farewell. Punch it, Chewie. This is Bobby Roberts, formerly of Full of Sith, and you are listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And some of the things that you're going to hear were talked about in the bonus episode that talked about the entire season finale and series finale. And this is a spoiler-filled podcast, just for the record. So if you have not seen the finale yet and don't want it spoiled for you, then you got to shelve this one and save it for a later date. But if you're down with getting into it, then let's get into it and talk about some of the top takeaways from Family Reunion and Farewell Part one. So let's talk top takeaways. Try and say that five times fast. Talk top takeaways from the episode. First off, we kick off with Ezra having a quiet moment to himself, reflecting on the image of a younger Ezra with his parents when they were still alive in happier days, and just reflecting on everything that's been happening over the past few years, wishing that his old family could meet his new family, and Hera gets to overhear this beautiful and private moment. And it also serves as a heavy bit of foreshadowing here. Now, this kind of thing usually means that the hero is going to die. And so, yeah, it sets us kind of on edge right from the beginning of the episode. And, you know, we already know because we've talked about it in the bonus episode that he doesn't die. But, you know, when you're watching it for the first time and you don't know, then it's really something to give you pause. But first, he has to put himself in danger for anything like that to happen. So that's where we get to our second top takeaway, which is the fact that we are finishing Rebels with another signature, so crazy it just might work Rebels plot. In fact, Rex has, in my experience, the worse the plan, the better the result when it comes to the Jedi. And so that itself is a tacit acknowledgement that Ezra has essentially become a Jedi worth respecting, worth the clones actually taking orders from the same way that they did in the Clone Wars. And that's another thing that opens up the question of what's going to happen to Ezra about this because, you know, we still have the thing in the back of our heads about Yoda saying to Luke, when gone am I, the last of the Jedi you'll be. And what does that mean? What does that mean? And can we really interpret that as literally as Yoda puts it? And if so, what does that mean for Ezra? Well, yeah, you know, the narrative drive of this is going to push you past that thought really quick, but it's still kind of going ping, ping in the back of your mind. And as their attempt to infiltrate the base continues, and for some reason our studio intern Kato keeps dropping a ball, this cat plays fetch like a dog. It's ridiculous, and he desperately wants me to play fetch with him, so you might hear a couple of dropped ball noises in the background while I'm recording this. 
And yes, I am pausing the recording from time to time here so I can throw the ball for him, just in case you were wondering. So anyway, as I was saying, as you watch the episode and you see their attempt to infiltrate the Imperial base unfold, you start to get this Return of the Jedi vibe in a way because there is something similar about the idea of the Rebels having clearance codes to get into an Imperial installation and there being a question of, oh, can we get away with this? Oh, but they do. And once they get inside, their mission is to destroy the joint, which is exactly what the mission is for the Rebels. Once they get down onto the surface of Endor and they get to the shield generator, they have to blow that thing up themselves. And sure, I grant you, you know, the circumstances are very different, right? Occupied planet that they're just trying to kick the Rebels off of versus trying to get a shield down so they can stage an attack on a half-completed Death Star. Obviously, you know, you can only draw the parallel so far, but there is some of it there. And that's what I was touching upon briefly in the bonus episode where elements of Return of the Jedi end up getting mixed in with elements of Return of the King, the final movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and the final book, I guess, also, I should say, because that's what it was first. And we had more Return of the King references in the last episode of Fool's Hope, and we will get a couple more in part two of Family Reunion and Farewell. We are more Return of the Jedi-like for this particular episode. And while we're talking about these things, I guess it would be a good point to talk about sort of the inside stuff about our episode here. So this is top takeaway number four. For example, Clancy Brown, who is the voice actor for Ryder Azadi, the local rebel leader on Lothal, he actually impersonates Colonel Wolf Yalaran in this episode. And it's funny, I actually went looking back and it is not... Clancy Brown that does Wolfie Lauren's voice in the Rebels and also dating back to the Clone Wars TV series. That is Tom Kane, who himself is actually doing a voice for a character that was not performed by him originally. He does the voice of Yoda in Rebels and the Clone Wars. And Frank Oz, of course, is the gentleman who made that one famous. And Frank actually did perform Yoda for Rebels as well as Tom Kane, too. And then, of course, there's the dad joke moment where they get the Ugnaught Melch, who is Hondo Onaka's helper, and he gets flung up onto the windows of the (laughs) command center of the Imperial base and Hondo says, I knew they could fly or words to that effect, which of course refers to the pig-like nature of the Ugnaughts and the squealing noise that Melch particularly makes. And I have to say, and I've said this in the bonus episode too, I believe, and it's, it's almost hard to remember in some case because it had been such a long day and that was recorded deep into the evening. But that's also, I guess, a bit of a winking reference to the scene at Helm's Deep in the Two Towers when Aragorn throws Gimli. It's the dwarf toss, and, you know, Ugnaughts were played by dwarves in The Empire Strikes Back, so, you know, you could imagine that similar kind of scenario involving, and essentially we have a dwarf being tossed just like happened in Lord of the Rings as well. Now, our fifth top takeaway is 
the contingency plan. We find out that Ezra has a secondary plan that he hasn't told anyone about except for Mart Matten, and he is one of the rebel pilots that survived the rebel assault on Lothal way back at the end of the first half of season four. And he tells Visago and Wolf that, hey, I forgot to tell you, there's another part to this plan, and that, of course, is when Rook comes back. That would be, of course, Thrawn's personal assassin and bodyguard following the old trope that if you don't see the person actually die, then you can't consider them dead. And yes, of course, in Star Wars, sometimes you think you see someone die and they come back. Ahem, ahem, Maul. <sighs> yeah, that's another thing for another time. But anyway, Rook is alive and he overhears what's going on with the plot to infiltrate the base and destroy it. And so he overpowers all three of them but he's no match for a Lothwolf and knows it and manages to escape with one of the Imperial transports before the Lothwolf can destroy it. And as he's flying back to the Imperial base, he informs Thrawn of what's going on. Thrawn tells him that his job is going to be to lock down the shield generator. Doesn't tell him why, but apparently Thrawn is already figuring out what's happening here. So going back to our tie back to Return of the Jedi, here we go, a shield generator, except this time the Rebels are actually trying to keep the shield generator up, or they're going to have to, whereas the Empire is going to want to bring it down. That's a neat little inversion, comparatively speaking, to what happened in Return of the Jedi. And there's another scene that basically evokes Return of the Jedi again in the fact that Ezra is going to have to turn himself over to the bad guys, just like Luke turned himself over to Darth Vader. So here's another tie back to the whole Return of the Jedi thing. And it ties into our sixth top takeaway, which is Thrawn finally outmaneuvering the rebels in a way that matters. And by that, I mean it has real consequences for the episode. I mean, every time we've seen Thrawn outmaneuvering the Rebels in some fashion or being outmaneuvered in some fashion, his response has largely been, okay, yeah, let him go. This is how they've earned their victory today. But I'm analyzing all this and I'm going to put it to use later. And finally, finally, we have an opportunity for Thrawn to do that. And it means that the plan that Ezra hatched was so fundamentally flawed from the start that it played right into Thrawn's hands. And Thrawn was not only capable of seeing it, but capable of making the maneuvers that he had to make in order to ensure Ezra's complete failure, at least, you know, failure as far as Thrawn can see ahead in these things. And finally, we come to our seventh top takeaway, which I'm going to talk with you about after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, no sponsor on this episode today, so I just have a favor to ask instead. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. All right, so our seventh thing, and it does tie into Return of the Jedi in a way as well, so it ties back to our top takeaway about that. 
but it's also its own takeaway because it relates to stuff that we saw in A World Between Worlds is the temptation that Palpatine sets up for Ezra. And, you know, Luke had to resist the temptation to strike down Vader. And by resisting it, he said, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And Palpatine said, so be it, Jedi. And you don't really get that exact moment from Palpatine, unfortunately. But, you know, you might as well. I mean, yes, I'm definitely casting a bit ahead into part two with that comment. But what we're seeing here this veil as it's described on the episode guide for this show the veil is made of pieces of the Jedi temple that Palpatine had constructed on the Chimera and basically it seems like he's able to sort of recreate a portal to not necessarily all of the worlds between worlds but certainly to one world and that would be the world of Ezra's parents giving Ezra the chance to go back in time to a place where his parents are still alive or go to an alternate timeline where his parents are still alive it's kind of hard to say at this point we don't necessarily know for sure it's really difficult to tell with his parents whether they have aged from the time at which Ezra last saw them, which was seven or eight years before the events of the start of Star Wars Rebels. And this veil, this pseudo-gateway, could be the way that Palpatine was able to access the world between worlds, or at least have some view into it and be able to throw some weird blue force lightning slash grabby stuff at Ezra and Ahsoka back in the A World Between Worlds episode. That isn't really explained outright anywhere, but I guess that would be my theory of it, that he was able to recreate the gateway to some degree to some limited functionality by constructing this veil on the chimera and dave filoni has talked about temptation and the way it's presented including in this case being presented by a nice looking palpatine what palpatine might have looked at had he not had the confrontation with mace windu that scarred him so badly and temptation doesn't always look evil in fact temptation often wears a very pleasant face as Dave Filoni has said, I'm paraphrasing basically, but he has played with this idea of temptation and how it doesn't necessarily look the way that you expect it to. So it's playing out here as well. And if you look at where when you, the episode was airing live, where they showed the, the TV rating thing again, it's at a point that happens just after the introduction of the possibility that Ezra could reunite with his parents at the behest of Emperor Palpatine. So that is as good a place as any for us to stop with this particular podcast and call it the end of part one of Family Reunion and Farewell. Tomorrow, surprise, surprise, will be the deep dive into part two of Family Reunion and Farewell. But for now, I just want to say, as always, thank you so much for listening. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you go jumping out skyscraper windows, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And please support the podcast by joining us on Patreon at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a shapeshifter, it's Destiny Unleashed.
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.